We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast presented by FanDuel. Nick Wayland here with Alex Barutha. It is Tuesday, October 31st, which means it is Halloween. We wanted to talk about, we each have five teams that we listed that now that we're two weeks into the season, I wouldn't say we, we don't know anything about, but, 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 but to what we've seen from this team, uh, these teams, I should say and what to expect going forward. So I'll let you start uh, with your team. Which team you know, has kind of most baffled you or most surprised you, either good or bad, you know, through this first two weeks? Uh, so I think the Grizzlies have been the most confusing. To me, they're 5-2 and two right now. I really don't know how, considering they're, other than Mike Conley and Mark Gasol, I'm not really sure. They just don't have much talent. Like Tyreek Evans is their third leading scorer. I think followed by Chandler Parsons at like nine points a game. Parsons has been shockingly good, by the way. Yeah, he's been I, – I haven't checked like his recent games. I think he kind of got off to a slow start. At one point he said he was going to treat every game like it was an away game because the fans were throwing him so much shade. They're just sure. openly booing him because he's hurt. 
Um, he was leading. I looked last night. He was leading the NBA in true shooting percentage going into last night. So there's that. Uh, he went three of seven against the Hornets on Monday. So he's probably not doing that anymore. But continue. I was, you know, back to back wins over Houston and Golden State. Um, their first in committing the fewest turnovers per game. Their first in free throws per field goal attempt, and their first in limiting other teams' effective field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. So they're really just, I mean, it's just classic Grizzlies. It's good coaching. Exactly. It's grit and grind. But you would think the lack of talent just wouldn't allow this to be possible. Um, and even Mike Conley's not even fully healthy. He's playing with a sore foot um, over the past few games, which just got reported today. So it's, I just don't understand how it's happening. It's some, like, this grit and grind mentality has somehow transcended players and coaches, <laughs> and it's just, like, in the organization. I mean, they've been doing this for... I mean, what, eight years now? I mean, they haven't missed the playoffs since 2010. And that's three coaches, Hollins, Jagger, and now Fisdale, where it just hasn't mattered. Like, they just carry over. They play the same style. They have terrible offense, it seems like, every single year. They play at, you know, 95 possessions or, uh, you know, possessions per game. You know, they're they're always in the bottom of that. Like you said, I, I thought, you know, maybe they'd be one of the better rebounding teams this year. Maybe that's how you compensate. No, they're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst offensive rebounding team in the league. And, it always just comes back to, well, Colleen and Gasol, man, those guys are good. And that's very true. And clearly it's reflected in, in how these teams, uh, these Grizzlies teams have played with that combination. But Mike Conley's never even been an all-star, you know, like how, no. and, and it's hard to make a case that he should have been given how much talent is, is in the West. You know, obviously he's an all-star caliber player, but there's only been one or two times where you really kind of felt like he might've been snubbed. Um, and it's, I think that's just a testament, especially to Fisdale, for you know this transition this is the first time head coach that's basically his team was injured the entire season last year didn't miss a beat won 43 games more than the season before and you know now has looked like one of the more well-rounded teams in the west like you said with wins over the two teams that we think are the two best in the west yeah and that's the thing they just they just know how to beat the good teams like something they like they lost to dallas i think right they did and dallas that's i think that's dallas's only win so i as long as they can keep beating good teams, I mean, that's I think that's kind of their game plan. Like, as long as they get in the playoffs, they have a chance mm-hmm. to, like, you know, give these teams, like, a no one wants to face the Grizzlies exactly. in the first round. Right. And, you know, I think it was Zach Lowe on, on his latest podcast that he's been told by, you know, multiple Warriors players that of all the playoff series that they've played together in this era with Steph and Clay and Draymond, that series against Memphis, you know, what, three, four years ago now? I think it would have yeah. been the year they first won the title when they almost lost yeah. uh, early early in, yeah, I think it was the first round. That's the hardest series they've had. And I think Memphis is one of those teams that just has such a high floor, uh, maybe not the highest ceiling. You know, the, the, As much as we're praising them, we know for a fact that they are not going to be in the NBA Finals. But no. they're just one of those teams that you cannot take the night off against the Memphis Grizzlies because they'll make you pay. And it's it's not quite Spurs-like because they've been doing it for a, you know 15 years longer than Memphis has, but it does kind of remind me of the Mavs where you know every year we talk about the Mavs coming in, and maybe this year not so much because of the lack of talent, but the last four or five years it was, all right, Dirk's 36, you know, Wes Matthews is coming off of a torn Achilles. This looks on paper like it should be a 25-win team, but because they're the Mavs and because of the coaching and because of the system, you, you almost give them like a 10-win bump, and it seems like Memphis is kind of in that same territory. Yeah, they're definitely in the same territory. And yeah, I mean, like you said, no team wants to face them in the playoffs. If if a team, you know, first round comes in with an injury, especially like a, a more shallow team, like if, if Houston 
you know, it, this Chris Paul thing, just it, it doesn't even have to linger. If he's hurt, that's mm-hmm. – I mean, Memphis could maybe sneak into the second round. I wouldn't bank on it. And this may be – I mean, they're – there's a strong chance they're overperforming. I mean, they're not going to continue going five and two for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. as far as the, you know, um, the 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 win the win. Per- like you said, it's just the the style of play is just kind of in the air, <laughs> I guess, in Memphis as far as as them, you know, being able to take down teams that they just talent talent wise they just can't match up with. Well, they they seem to be really good at forcing teams like Houston and Golden State which play such dramatic styles of basketball in terms of getting up and down, shooting a bunch of threes. Like Memphis is able to make them you know, maybe not assimilate to how how the Grizzlies play, but they're able to control the pace against those type of teams a hell of a lot better than a team like last night the Clippers basically just let Golden State run all over them for mm-hmm. three and a half quarters until they called the dogs off. Like Memphis isn't going to beat Golden State every time. They're not going to beat Houston every time, but they're at least going to make it difficult for them, and they're not going to try to beat them at their own game. Right. So, okay, Memphis was also on my list, so we're already one for one. (laughs) I'm going to go to the East, Orlando. Third in pace right now, second in true shooting. They're they're shooting 44% or over 44% from three as a team. Yep wildly unsustainable like you you look at memphis and they're doing like we just said the same thing they've been doing and it's you know they're not going to keep winning five out of seven games the rest of the year but you can kind of see where it'll sustain orlando this just can't be real whatsoever no they're shooting three percentage points better from three than than the next best team you know golden state and portland are right there it's just i i love aaron gordon i love the way he's playing i would i would love for this to be sustainable um but this this just seems like it's way too good to be true for a team that i suppose is due for some sort of success yeah and it's funny that you mentioned they're also first in opponent three-point percentage they give up the the lowest percentage they opponents shoot 27 percent from three against them so i mean the differential between that is insane i looked up the best marks from last season uh best team in the league shot 39 percent from three and gave up 32 percent from three so the ma- the magic are just just blowing out both you know what would have been league leading marks last season or what were league leading marks last season um you know nikola vucevic and aaron gorgon are both averaging 20 and 9 jonathan simmons came over from the spurs and is playing really well he's their fourth leading scorer um behind uh vooch gorgon and evan fournier scoring 16.7 points per game um and they have two 20 point wins without alfred payton um over the Cavs and the spurs and during that Cavs game the aaron gorgon or alfred payton didn't play Mm -hmm. so i mean they've been rolling with dj augustine and shelvin mack starting at point guard (laughs) and they've still been making it work dj augustine's had a very odd re like rebirth as this strong veteran point guard just kind of I think he's ready to like, take the torch from Jameer Nelson when he inevitably <laughs> retires like DJ Augustine was basically out of the league what three four years ago I and, think so you know former lottery pick a guy that was certainly viewed as a as a long-term starter early in his career and yeah he's he's kind of found a home as this like okay your point guard gets hurt who should we bring in DJ Augustine type of guy uh but you mentioned Jonathan Simmons and this was a guy that I think after last season, it was almost a given. You thought that San Antonio would bring him back. And and I was surprised that they declined to match. Um, Orlando had to pay up, but yeah. but still, you know, Simmons just seemed like a classic spur, you know, the type of guy who, though he is 28, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. older than, than most prospects, you know, it just seemed like one another homegrown guy that we're going to see, you know, playing Spurs basketball for five more years. And 
Um, you do wonder if they maybe regret letting him go. Obviously, money was the the motivator there, but he scored in double figures in all seven games with Orlando. Had 27 in Charlotte on Sunday. Had 20 in New Orleans on Monday. Um, I mean, he's certainly someone. Uh, God forbid we talk fantasy, but I mean, if if you were choosing between him and Terrence Ross uh, during draft season, which I think you know you probably were at that time. It's looking like Simmons is probably the guy going forward, despite the fact that he continues to come off the bench. It is looking that way. And, I mean, the the main concern, like you said, is these numbers from, like, literally everyone on the Magic are unsustainable. Like, Aaron Gordon is shooting, I think, over 50% from three. Jonathan Simmons is shooting 50% from three. And so he's scoring 16.7 points a game now, but how long can that last? I mean, he's only taking 11 shots a game. Um but yeah, either way, I mean, it, it's looking like the moves that um, I guess not all the moves were John Hammond's doing, but bringing in Jonathan Simmons was, and um, you know, the, I maybe they're they they're playing a lot faster. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing too. They're a playing. Lot I didn't. I don't know if I have their pace written down here, but um, I, they're probably like top five in pace. Um, they and, are top five. I just had this up. Let's see. They are. They're third. Brooklyn, Phoenix, Orlando, and the Lakers are top four. Okay. Of course, as we all expect. Of course, yeah. And, well, but the Magic is the only team having success in that That's group true. of, of uh, teams playing that fast. And I think a lot of it's just, like, their floor spacing, and they just have a lot of these, like, super athletic wing players that can just cut into the lane. Vucevic standing outside shoots threes now. And I don't know how that's going to – I mean, I don't want to say I'm worried for when Peyton comes back because you always want your best players coming back. But DJ Augustine is a floor spacer at the point guard. Like every time the the Magic, you know, run a group of five guys out on the floor, they're generally almost all three point shooters except you mm-hmm. know Bismack Biombo and you know whoever else. But you know when Peyton comes back, they're going to be down one three point shooter. I don't know if that's gonna if that's gonna hurt them at all. It may change their style of play a little bit. But actually, I I like Alfred Peyton as a player um he's he's definitely better in transition um and getting out and and running um than he is in half court offense which it seems like the the magic are just going to keep getting out and running and utilizing you know terrence ross and aaron gorgon and and everybody like that um yeah they they have the fourth highest margin of victory in the league right now i it's it doesn't make sense i mean going back to simmons too it's like when they made that signing i was like i like jonathan simmons a lot but this makes no sense you know, you just drafted a wing in in Jonathan Isaac. You, yeah. You know, Fournier is still there. Like it just nothing really added up um, with that signing. Hazonia, who they've, it seems like they like really are making an effort to get him minutes and kind of showcase him. I would be shocked if he's not traded at some point. They had they had signed Aaron Aflalo. Like it was just an odd move, and I mean, it's it's certainly paid dividends. I mean, they hit sixteen threes against New Orleans. Uh, on Monday and and again that's going to come down they're not going to shoot 45 percent from three as a team all season uh, but I mean still five and two start this is a five and two start I mean I, I think if you would ask me how many games they win out of their first seven I would have said one or two and you know whether you're five and whether you're going five and two from games 78 to 82 or one through seven it, it still counts the same let's take a quick break so I can tell the listeners about SeatGeek buying tickets can be complicated and confusing but there is a better way to buy and that is with SeatGeek SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. 
Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. And it doesn't end with sports. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available as well. Best of all, new users get $20 off their first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ROTONBA. Again, that's promo code ROTO, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. That will give you $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. See it live with SeatGeek, right seat, right now, right from your phone. All right, so we talked about the Grizzlies. We talked about the Magic. Back to you. What, what's another team you want to hit on? Uh, I'm just going to go with the obvious, the Cavaliers. Um, I, I don't exactly know where to start here. They're just playing bad defense. Um, they're bottom 20 as far as like opponent field goal percentage, three-point percentage, assists, turnovers forced, fouls, points. Like They're just not playing good defense. And they're losing to bad teams like Orlando. Allegedly, we just talked about Orlando, but like theoretically, you should not, you know, the Cavs should not be losing to Orlando, Brooklyn, the Pelicans, and the Knicks. I mean, these are all young teams, and so maybe that's the trend. I mean, the the Cavaliers are are pretty old this year. So it's one of the oldest teams LeBron's played on, maybe. Um, and it's I one thing I don't understand is that Jay Crowder is only he's only playing 24 minutes a game this right. season he's only playing 20 minutes a game over the past three games you would think that if you're having trouble with defense and everyone's too old one would think you would play arguably your best defender on the team and one of the best defenders in the league who's also i think the third youngest player on the team mm-hmm. and i know he, he plays kevin loves and lebron james positions and that that makes it tough to get him playing time but like you gotta like I feel like you just gotta get the guy on the floor somehow, even if you have to play him at shooting guard. I don't really know. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I wonder if uh, it seems like they're almost focusing too much on fit and positionality, and it's like, well, we want to keep him only in these situations. Like, there is no reason, like you said, for Jay Crowder to be playing twenty minutes per game for this team over the last three games. And I think part of that is the fact that they've been in blowouts and he hasn't played, you know, to the end of a game as That's he would point. if it were close. But still. Um, I mean, like you said, you talk about someone who can who can guard four positions. You can play on the other end at least three positions. Um, it it just hasn't made sense. The rotations, like I think when when they first put this team together, you know, um, pessimists such as myself and probably you to some degree as well. You look at Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, and you're just like, this is not going to work. Why are they putting Rose out there with Tristan Thompson and LeBron, who's not a good three point shooter? And then the argument was always like, well, LeBron will figure it out. They'll figure it out. They have LeBron. He'll make it work. And so far, that has not been the case whatsoever. LeBron's numbers have been fine. Yeah. His on-off hasn't been good at all. He was a minus 17 against the Knicks on Saturday. But um, other other than that, you know, assists have been fine. Rebounds have been fine. He's scoring at his normal rate. But this team isn't shooting the three ball like the Cavs have the last two years especially. Um and it seems like some of the depth or, or some of the offensive creation, I guess, that they lost with Kyrie Irving, they're just really, really struggling to replace. And I think the biggest thing for that is Irving's ability as a shooter. Like You don't think of Kyrie in the same context that you do with Steph Curry, even no. a Damian Lillard. But just having that guy there who some nights might go one for eight for three, but other nights might go you know six for seven from three. And losing that and going all the way down to Derrick Rose, who's a bottom three three-point shooter at his position – and having him split minutes with Dwayne Wade, who might be one of the other three guys at the bottom of that list, 
I, I think they kind of underestimated the, the drop off there. I think so too. And I mean, I, like you said, I was, kind of, I was pessimistic about the floor spacing. It's one of those situations where you, I think probably as an organization, you just assume the talent will prevail. Um, because they're, they really have one of the deepest teams in the league, like one through 10. And, but like you said, yeah, I mean, missing Kyrie Irving and having that kind of ISO player may have hurt them more than they thought. Um, but I thought that Kevin Love may be that person. Like you can throw Kevin Love the ball in the post. Like I understand he's not, that's not who he is as much anymore. And they purposely, you know, made him lose a bunch of weight and stand out at the three point line. But it's not like he still doesn't have, you know, skill in that area. And I thought, you know, instead of ISOing Kyrie for stretches, you know, of games with bench players, they could just do the same for Kevin Love. And they, you know, kind of in the same sense that the Clippers were doing with Blake Griffin at this point. Um, and and he's been exceeding at that. So, I, you know, for the Cavs, Jeff Green's their fifth best scorer. That probably shouldn't be this, the, that's probably not great um in 2017 when when you have this much talent on your team including Dwayne Wade and and Jeff Green is really like pulling a pretty significant scoring load not a um, good thing not a good thing almost never a good thing if Jeff Green <laughs> at this point in his career or really at any point in his career is a significant scorer for you i mean i think a lot of this too is you know we we shouldn't be that surprised like it's it's jarring to see them get blown out by teams like New York and Orlando and the Pelicans but, you know, I think around the league there's more of a panic um, among casual fans, especially because I don't think people realize, like, where Dwayne Wade is at in his career right now and what a terrible, terrible fit he is for this team. Like, Dwayne Wade was never all that great of a fit next to LeBron when they were both in their primes. No. And they were just so talented that they made it work and won two titles and went to four straight finals. There was never It was never the greatest fit. And as they've aged, and especially as Wade's aged, I think that fit has just kind of gotten worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we heard that he would play like some point guard off the bench. And I think that's probably, that may just be his best situation for them, Mm -hmm. but you still, you, he's still too talented not to play or or to play like less than 20 minutes a game. And, but point guard still not his true position. It's just, I mean, they've, they've dug themselves into a hole, but having too much talent, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's not the greatest fit in the world, usually a, a decent problem to have. So LeBron had his usual Halloween party last night, um, generated quite a bit of buzz. This year based on costumes, last year based on decor uh, that was targeted at a certain Western Conference opponent. Um, but it, it seems like all is good, at least uh, in the locker room for the Cavs. Um, you right. know, at, at a distance, we don't want to speculate too much. But it doesn't seem like they're panicking internally, no. at least. Uh, we'll, we'll see. You know, If they're hovering around 500 and we get to January 1st, then, then things maybe will be a little bit different. Okay, so we've hit Orlando, we've hit Cleveland, we've hit Memphis. I would like to talk about the Denver Nuggets. Also um, on my list. They're on your list? Okay, good. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Um I don't know where to begin with the Nuggets. Like I, I've I've kind of internally thought about them for the last couple of weeks. They've been up and down just when I'm ready to fully panic, such as when they get, you know, housed by seventeen um in, against Charlotte. Last week, they respond with, with a pair of wins. Granted, they came against the Knicks and they came against the Nets. Uh, but still, I mean, they're 3-4 they're and four right now. A little bit disappointing. Uh, based just on, I thought this was a team that was really going to kind of pick up where it left off last year. I love the Jokic fit alongside Millsap. And that, that's, it's worked so far. It's not, it's not like that's been a disaster by any means. But Millsap's scoring is down. He's really not doing much playmaking. 
Jokic only averaging four and a half assists, which is great for a center, but for Jokic, I think a little bit disappointing. Right. Um, but right now, I mean, they just kind of look like an average team in the West. They're they're 16th in offense. They're 17th in defense. They're 19th in pace. Um, and they've had an easy schedule so far. And I think that's maybe what's a little concerning is they haven't been able to take advantage of that fully. Yeah. And, you know, Jokic got off to a bad scoring start and then was passing well. And then now he's scoring well because passing is kind of been down. one or the other, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like he can get both to work at the same time. Um, I do like the Millsap fit. I mean, I think that will work out. I don't see why. I don't see why not. Although um, Porzingis was destroying Jokic during that game against um, the Knicks. I they they were trying to switch Millsap and and Jokic when they you know when. It just doesn't work. Jokic's Jokic's defense is an issue there, and maybe that's why they're, I don't know, doing average on that side of the floor. I guess both sides of the floor, but yeah, I mean they got rid of Jameer Nelson for Richard Jefferson. Richard Jefferson, I don't, I think has still not touched the floor, and it's not really clear still at this point if Jamal Murray or Emmanuel Mudiay is the long term. I, I, I you could argue Mudiay is actually playing better than Jamal Murray um he's seeing i think like six less minutes a game still putting up relatively the same stats Mugier is actually shooting better from three than murray um i don't know if that's just like Mugier with a chip on his shoulder and i mean everyone i think kind of assumed that like murray's the better fit for the team because of his three-point shooting but well the problem is he's six of 33 from three you know, that's like really bad, right? And th- didn't he start last year? Wasn't he like over his first twenty in the NBA oh, or something he? crazy like that? Yeah, and you know maybe this is just a thing that happens to him. He's been better um, overall. I mean, his first two games was, were a complete disaster, but he's gone twenty and twenty six points in his last two games. Had a sixteen point game last week. Okay, so he's been better. But the three point shooting, like he said, I mean, if it, just looking at the game log, o of four, o of five, o of five, o of two. I mean, at one point he he went on an o of eighteen stretch from games two through five. And over the last two games, you know, he's made four threes, but he's taken 12. So I think people view Jamal Murray as this kind of, you know, I wouldn't say Steph Curry-like, but the way that he, you know, he shoots off screens, he's got a quick release, it looks good, he can get hot. But, I mean, it's almost Devin Booker-like, where first half of last year, you were like, man, Devin Booker is just, man, he's the next Clay Thompson. And you look, yeah. and he's shooting like 32% from three. It's like, yeah, every now and then he'll have a game where he can shoot the lights out and is the best shooter on the court, but... Overall, the numbers are bad. I mean, 18% from three for Jamal Murray. That was that was the thing that was supposed to separate him from Moutier. Yeah. You know, was like, other than that, it was like Moutier is a better defender. They're pretty comparable as passers. Moutier is a better rebounder. But Murray is the guy you need out there because he can space the floor. And right now, neither of those guys are doing that. No. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's weird because, I mean, the whole preseason and training camp, you know, Coach Mike Malone was like, I'm not telling you guys who the starter is. And turns out he didn't, he's, he had no idea what to do. Right. I think he was just waiting for someone to take the job and no yeah. one did. And yeah, that hasn't been the case at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't, you know, the other guys on the team haven't been playing like exceedingly well. I think a lot of people like, I mean, especially in fantasy circles, we're kind of expecting everyone because the team is pretty young just to take like a nice leap. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's only been what, seven games for them. So, you know, Gary Harris is playing about as he did last year. Will Barton's actually been a nice surprise. They play mm-hmm. Will Barton more than I were, was expecting them to. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a result of Hernan Gomez being out. And one thing, though, Wilson Chandler has – is he 
he's disappeared. He I, has. I loved him coming into the year. It just it seemed like with Gallinari out of there, yeah. You know, this was kind of a free pass to thirty minutes a night. You know, go get fifteen points, and yeah, he's been giving them nothing. Yeah, I, you know, I had seen his box score, and I hadn't really watched much of the games by then. But I sat down and I watched, I think, half of the Brooklyn uh, Denver game the other night, mm-hmm. and he was out in the. It was just like he wasn't there. Like he right. was just he either wouldn't touch the ball or he would touch it and then pass it. He wasn't really shooting. Like it's it's very strange. Yeah, one know. of three from the field last night against the Knicks. Twenty seven minutes. I mean, I, Will Barton's kind of kind of been the guy for them at that spot off the bench. We're gonna we're gonna find out about Denver. You know, over the next two plus weeks here, I mean, they get Toronto, Miami, Golden State are their next three three playoff caliber opponents, and you get the Nets, uh, then then Oklahoma City and Orlando, then at Portland and New Orleans. So the Nets, on paper at least, are really the only kind of gimme game there, and and we've yeah. seen the Nets give give some good teams uh, runs, at least better than than they have in years past. So seven of the next eight of all those games I listed, only the Portland game is on the road for Denver. So a nice nice stretch here before they hit the road quite a bit more in December fantasy basketball fans basketball is back which means FanDuel is back it's fantasy basketball for everyday fans with new contests starting every day that means no busted seasons FanDuel has something for everyone tons of content to choose from starting at just one dollar just pick a contest select your players and watch your score pile up in real time over two and a half million players have won cash playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel. Again, just visit fanduel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. All right, back to you. We, we've agreed on the Grizzlies and the Nuggets. Who else do you have? The Pacers. The Pacers. The Pacers are not on my list. All okay. right, go ahead um i a lot of this just stems from i think people underrating victor ladipo and demonis sabonis um they've both played really well and we've seen sabonis a lot because miles turner's been out with a concussion and a sore neck um because he had kind of a whiplash injury and and they they're playing i mean i guess it wasn't unexpected that they're playing this really fast pace um because that's usually what teams do when they when well they don't have a lot of talent they just play really fast and they're young and they get up and down the floor and they do have a lot of athletes on the team but it's surprising me like how competent they are without miles turner um demonta sabonis isn't even one thing interesting about him is he shot a lot of threes last year that was basically his role with the thunder but now he's reverting back more to what he did in college which was post-ups and rebounding well and you know when you watch them play they really do kind of run the offense like he touches the ball on every single possession and usually more than once on a possession they play him at the elbow a lot um victor oladipo is not just a spot up shooter you know he's kind of um he's he's had a lot of experience playing a lot of different positions and a lot of different roles in the league um i think his first year in orlando he was actually he was a point guard and then they kind of moved him to shooting guard once Peyton came around, and then he was a spot-up shooter in OKC. But it seems like all that experience has, you know, we're kind of seeing the culmination of that this year in what I think he's averaging 25 a game, basically, um, passing well, defending well. His efficiency, I'm not sure, has been quite there. But, I mean, he's he's enough of a volume shooter. He causes distraction. Um, and you just assume his defense makes up for what mm-hmm. may be average shooting. Yeah, he's been one of the biggest surprises, I think, universally 
around the league. And I talked about it with Jeff and Chris on the radio this morning. They wanted to talk Oladipo. And, you know, my argument was that, no, of course, I didn't expect him to be averaging 26 points per game. And, of course, that number is probably going to regress closer to the 21, 22, 23 range as we go on. But it's not like this came out of nowhere. You know, I mean, right. he's a guy who was a late bloomer in college. You know, he played multiple seasons at Indiana, which is a rarity these days, especially for someone who goes number two in the draft, even if it was one of the you know three worst drafts of the last two decades. But as a second-year player, he averaged 18 a game, four assists, four rebounds, almost two steals, shot it well from the field. And, and it felt like that 2015-16 that season in Orlando was such a disaster all around. Yeah. Um, that was kind of, you know, the first year of the Aaron Gordon experiment really where they were playing him all over the place. And it seemed like nobody, you know, they were trying to win and they were also trying to develop at the same time. And it was a complete disaster. Then he goes to OKC and I thought played really well given the circumstances. I mean, that, that was a really, really tough job to be Russell Westbrook's number two in a year when he's just kind of going to do his own thing at an unprecedented level. And Oladipo is just kind of there to pick up the scraps. And I think he did about as well as he could have. Yeah, um, he's 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 just a really interesting player. He's a great you know he's a great two way guy to have. I and I should take back what I said about his efficiency, shooting fifty percent from the field and forty seven percent from yeah. three. That's another early season trend that you're probably going to see come down. Yeah, exactly. But um, Darren Collison has been a pretty good surprise for the team too. He's he's on pace to average a career high in assists. He's got eight per game right now. I think he had like a sixteen or seventeen assist game against. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who. I keep thinking that Corey Joseph is going to take that job, but Collison's been good. Uh, he has been good. He's given no reason. Corey Joseph has been good in his own right, but Collison's just been that much better. Yeah, and I mean, Corey Joseph's still playing 24 minutes a game, so we're not seeing mm-hmm. any, you know, significant, um, I guess. he He's playing about the same role he did in Toronto, which isn't super unexpected. Um, but, you know, that role still may go to him long term if the team just ends up you know playing poorly the rest of the year but if they hover around 500 mm. um i i feel like darren collison will will definitely keep that job um tj leaf has looked pretty well as well um looked pretty well as well but uh you know I, he wasn't a guy that i thought was going to see a lot of minutes turns out he's seen 16 minutes a game he's shooting threes um i, I it, he seems like he'll probably just turn into a solid like long-term prospect for them and I actually I like their team going forward. Um, Darren Collison's a little probably old for like the rest of the guys on their, you know their their age timeline. But mm-hmm. um, he's helping. It, it's good I guess in those kind of situations to have a veteran point guard to get everyone in the offense and make sure things can actually run, or else you end up in a situation like yeah. the Knicks were in, where you have no one who can bring the ball up and get these young players the opportunity to make to to right. prove themselves. Yeah, Indiana all of a sudden looks like one of those teams that, you know, you almost kind of wish that they would, you know, recognize where they're at. I guess because they might be just too good to, you know, just, they, might, they might be the eighth seed in the East. They could be. And it certainly doesn't look like they're going to be a bottom three team in the league. But, like, you throw Michael Porter on this team or, you know, another big-time kind of wing prospect, all of a sudden things go from rock bottom the day Paul George, you know, is traded mm-hmm. to all of a sudden there's there's some sort of base here. Uh, and, and I think to some degree, and, and granted, there's been a lot of roster turnover since Paul George left, but they're playing more freely. I think there's not this, this you know, we have Paul George here. We need to win now. We need to do whatever it takes to win now. I think they're just kind of able to relax and, and, you know, like you said, experiment with guys like TJ Leaf and let DeMontis Sabonis touch the ball every possession. And 
you know, we'll see. Once Miles Turner's back, things might look a little bit different, but I've been really, really impressed with the last five games for them. Yeah. Um, I, I think you said it all. I don't do you, more well, I do need to interrupt. Do you have any word on Lance Stevenson before we move on? Oh. Because his numbers have been really bad. He might, he's got a case for like the worst player uh, performance-wise in the NBA so far who's averaging at least 15 minutes a game. You know, I mean, I wrote, I think, in – I don't know if it was a Sleepers article – that Lance like just I was like just draft Lance Stevenson with your second to last pick or whatever because no one's going to take him and he can play every position I was completely wrong in theory he can play a lot of positions right and so I felt like he had you know safe minutes but he's he's bricking everything 26 percent from the field 13 of 50 from the field 13 of 50 from the field he's not really rebounding well he's not really getting assists he's not stealing the ball he's hey he's not turning it over though only four turnovers in 112 minutes yeah i mean you know you yeah i mean if you're yeah if you're targeting turnovers in your categorical league i mean he's clearly the guy to have um no i yeah i just i maybe i mean i don't want to say this is it but like this might be it like he's yeah i mean i i did i love the move to bring him back Me too. You know, at the end of last year i was like oh, this is great this is exactly what this guy needs like the one place he's really thrived in his career maybe i mean maybe it was just paul george i mean maybe we need to get lance stevenson on the yeah. uh, on the thunder and that's where he maybe he just he likes hanging out with paul george out. rather i, than I think he's firmly available at this point <laughs> yeah. okay um all right so my next one i have two teams that i kind of feel similarly about two teams in the west sacramento and dallas i'm gonna lump those in together okay both of these teams are teams that traditionally have done what they can to compete, even when it's maybe not the right thing to do for the long-term future of the franchise. And it seems like they've kind of both reversed course on that now. Yeah. Sacramento loaded up on veterans. They bring in George Hill. They bring in Randolph. They bring in Carter. And then also, you know, you still have Scal. You have Collie Stein. You have two first-rounders in Jackson and uh, three first rounders, Jackson Giles and De'Aaron Fox, of course. Mm-hmm. So there's this odd mix of really intriguing youth and then veterans who, you know, maybe with the exception of George Hill, especially Carter and Randolph, who are just well past their prime. Guys that you really don't sign unless you're trying to, you know, be like Cleveland and fill out, you know, the end of what you think could be a championship roster. So coming in, I didn't know what to think of the Kings. No. They're already resting players. Garrett Temple is set to rest, I think, tonight for the second time already this year. Randolph's rested. Carter, he's 40 years old, so he should be resting. And it's just it's just been weird. I don't know what their direction is. It seems like now they've kind of pivoted toward a youth movement after making moves that would go against that. And Dallas is in the same boat. I mean, Nerlens Noel, who I think, you know, in some ways might be on a lot of nights their best overall player they're content to just play him 12 minutes because he might be too good and he would god forbid help them win games so dallas is always that team that no matter what the personnel was you had to watch out because they were never an easy win um and now it's it's anything but that it seems like they're committed to trying to get another big time piece to pair with dennis smith yeah and i mean at least for both of those teams it seems like they won with their point guard selections in the draft i mean darren fox and uh dennis smith jr both look really good foxes looked much better than i thought i I need to eat crow on that right (laughs) and i yeah it's it's interesting you brought up the veterans of of the kings and that they're hard to predict when that when they may play when they may not may not play but even when i'll use george hill as an example even when he does play he's just like passive like he's it seems like he's just kind of he's just kind of bringing the ball up Mm -hmm. and getting it to other people like his his shots are down by like five per game but his minute his minutes are essentially the same he's just shooting five less shots a game 
uh, about one less three a game. He's not getting he's getting to the free throw line half as much. Um, it's it's really odd to me, and it's like I mean he couldn't say no to the money, and I understand like the veteran presence and everything like that. That's you know arguably important for a young team to have um, on and off the floor, but. I, I just don't because the Kings have like they they have it's not like they have a couple nice young pieces they have a lot of young talent like a lot of young talent every position um, that they could be playing a full rotation of like twenty year olds every night like the Suns did at the end of last year and that just you know that may have been a better option mm-hmm. than what they're doing right now and as far as the Mavericks it just seems like they're really struggling to find a way to get Nerlens. Dirk and Barnes all playing together in a way that makes sense and doesn't give up like 150 points a game um, because I don't know if Dirk can guard anybody at this point. Um, I, I I know for a fact that he cannot. Okay. I'll step in. Yeah. yeah. You also have to play like a zone with him. Right. Like I, I, I don't know what you do there, but, and although for the Mavericks, I, you know, Seth Curry has been out. Not that he would have given back. them, yeah, yeah. Not that he would have given them, you know, two or three more Dorian wins Finney or anything. Dorian Finney-Smith's been out. He's got that tendonitis in the knee. Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah, he's uh, he's just one of those guys. He'll play like thirty minutes. He'll put up like seven combined total yep. stats of any category. Just, just pick any category. Um, and yeah, the, those teams are definitely both confusing. Yeah, I I think I mean it's the Mavs are one and seven. There's really not much precedent for a team being one and seven and then just turning it around and making no. the playoffs or anything close to that. I, I mean, they're you can pretty much write them off, um, which I like because I would love to see them. Mo Bamba is going to be playing. How far is Austin from Dallas? Like two hours, like, I think. I'm gonna guess that's a. It could be. It could be 20 <laughs> minutes. It could be four. I think hours. it's two or three I'm gonna say hours. two hours. Mo Bamba's going to be playing right there, uh, and then they'll have a first or a, a first-hand look at him. So, okay, that was Dallas and Sacramento. I hate talking about the Kings. I, I physically can't spend any more time on them. That's okay. So, do you have how many more do you have left? I have one left. Uh, that that was all I had. That was it. I okay. mean, yeah, you. I I put five down. I probably could scrap for another okay. one. But who do you who do you uh, have? Uh, we'll just we'll go snake draft. I'll go again. Uh, Minnesota. That's fair. I. Uh, I've watched them as much as any non-Cleveland team so far on League Pass, and they, they're they somehow more maddening to watch than they were last year. It, it's just they've just kind of upped the talent and are still <laughs> doing the same things. Tom Thibodeau with Jimmy Butler, with Taj Gibson, with Gorgie Jang, with Carl Towns is the worst defense in the NBA, 30th in defensive rating. Offensively, they're fourth. They're doing fine on that end of the court. It's, it's a complete opposite of what you would maybe think could have happened with the Tibbs team where you know we, we really haven't seen him coach a team that doesn't grind it out and this Wolves team is so talented on offense and somehow the influence of Tibbs who I think most people would say is one of the two or three best just pure defensive minds maybe in like the history of the NBA is just somehow not able to make this work yeah I you know yeah because like you said he's kind of one of those guys he puts together like a really great defensive game plan and then he just lets the the guys who are talented on offense just do their thing you know um not necessarily iso but there is there's quite a bit of iso those post up 14 foot um moves but i think you know part of it maybe with this team why they're struggling on defense is they have no depth and you want guys i mean you want these starters or he's having them play you know 35 36 38 minutes a game 
it's also it's hard to play both ends of the floor for 38 minutes at an extremely high level. And I mean, it's not like they have anyone coming off their bench who's good at defense. Tyus Jones, um, Jamal Crawford, Shabazz Muhammad. Oh, well, uh, it's just Baz now. He's changing it. Yeah, I saw that, that actually. Okay. I don't know when that kicks in officially, but it should be any day okay. now. Baz. It's like Nene. Right. Uh, Baz. Um, Gorgi Jang, solid defender. Don't want to throw him under the bus. He's just been a non-factor this year. He's averaging like fewer than 15 minutes a game. I think Tibbs just kind of kicked him, kicked him to the curb in favor of Taj. Yeah. Um, but like you said, there's not much of a bench there. Uh, it's not like that bench is providing great offense either. Jamal Crawford, like every once in a while, but like sure. he's still going to shoot thirty nine percent and then he's yeah he's at thirty one percent from from two point land forty four percent from three so he's that's about what you're gonna get from him now yeah um I really just I, I don't understand like I the the Tibbs coaching thing I don't know if like he if it's not like if the league has gone past like what he's used to I just I don't want to call him like I don't washed know. up because that's too extreme I, I do wonder if and I'm, you know, I've not studied Tibbs and I, I didn't oh. watch, you know, I didn't like religiously watch the 2009 Chicago Bulls or anything like that. But I mean, the way that the NBA has shifted offensively, you know, is it harder to scheme now when, when most teams aren't rolling out two big guys, you know, like the, the Tibbs teams that were so good featured Joakim Noah at center, the type of center now who you can barely keep on the floor. And that, that guy, you know, he won defensive player of the year. He was like third in MVP voting. Yeah one of those years um and that was the anchor of those defenses and no one debated it and when you don't have you know maybe it's that he doesn't have one of those type of guys in minnesota or it's just the fact that that type of player maybe doesn't really even exist anymore yeah i i don't know i mean taj gibbs it was wasn't it was noah and gibson right, right. i mean think of if you played those two together now it would not yeah i mean and, and or boozer who boozer you know was basically a, a facsimile of uh, gibson at that point yeah, just shooting 16 footers and yeah, ball way over the head. Yep. <laughs> Missed that spray painted hair. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was that was a good time for a national TV game. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, but to, we probably the, could. How bold is that? Like, you go from no hair to just no, no shame at nobody all. Nobody'll notice, right? This looks looks good, guys. Right? Like, <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't have too much else to say on the Wolves. It's so early that I hate jumping to conclusions. But the last thing I, w- I will add is that. I was worried that Jimmy Butler would kind of come in and, and all of a sudden Andrew Wiggins would be marginalized. And I wouldn't say it's been the other way around because Butler's you know, he's averaging 16 a game. He's, things have been fine. But Wiggins has not ceded any offensive responsibility whatsoever. Like he's, he's taking three more shots a game than Butler. He's getting to the line three more times per game than Butler. His rebounding numbers are almost identical. You know, I mean, you're still getting the traditional less than one and a half assists from Wiggins, one steal, you know, not, not really blocking shots at the level that someone that athletic should, et cetera. Right. But he's, he is not back down uh, to Jimmy Butler, which I think is interesting. No, not at all. And I wonder if Butler almost was like, Hey, I'll take the defense. Like you kind of, you just do your ISO thing. Like <laughs> t- you, cause. yeah, you tire yourself out right. you know, on that. And I'll tire myself out on the other mm-hmm. end. But yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I, I have Jimmy Butler in fantasy league. It's been a little disappointing. I thought you have a good, because Tom Thibodeau loves his former players, and I figured, mm-hmm. you know, Gibson and and Butler would figure it out and and be more productive than they were, at least equally productive um, as they were the year before. Just really hasn't been the case. Okay, so we got a pretty uninspiring four game slate tonight: Sacramento and Indiana, uh, Detroit and LA is the late game, but two games in the middle. Uh, are you more excited to watch OKC at Milwaukee, which is on NBA TV? 
or Phoenix at Brooklyn, <laughs> which honestly, though, if you're, you know, if you're someone like us who loves the NBA oh, and follows yeah. this kind of stuff, like Phoenix, Brooklyn, like I'm, I'm, I, I'm not afraid to admit I'm a little excited to watch that. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, I have basically stacked that game in daily fantasy. Yes. Because the over, be. the over under is like 230, I think right now, 230, 230, 230.5. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's at. I'm. I you know I I would say I think I'm just more excited for for the Bucks Thunder, um, but I, yeah I mean I definitely want to watch, uh, Nets Suns. But to me I mean, Giannis has been unbelievable, and I'm really interested to see how you know the, the Thunder deal with a player like Giannis and how Giannis deal or the Bucks in general deal with really the like top heavy talent of the Thunder like. You know, we're going to have some good defensive matchups. Like, Giannis is probably going to be on Carmelo Anthony. Um, yeah, I mean, who well, who's on Giannis? And Paul George, probably? He, I would imagine. Yeah. But then Chris, I mean, Robert Roberson on Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Roberson and, and George probably just kind of switch off on Giannis. Yeah. Um, Hensing and Thon Maker are going to have to try to stop Steven Adams, which is going to be Bucks give Bucks, you know, get annihilated by centers. Right. But. Um, I just think it's going to be like a ridiculous game talent wise. Like there's going to be, you know, just insane plays, like highlight reel stuff probably on, you know, half these possessions. But um, yeah, the Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Phoenix game. um, This is like one of those games where you really feel like, I think you mentioned Devin Booker earlier. Like this just feels like one of those games where he could just go for 45 and it won't even feel like it because the teams are going to score 125 each. This is like a Big 12 football game. This is Texas Tech going into West Virginia <laughs> and it's going to it's going to be like 75 to 68 um, you know on, on some sort of last second touchdown. But all right, we'll wrap it up. Once again, we have kept our streak of saying we'll keep it to a half hour. We are now at about 47 minutes, so good on us. Uh, James and I'll actually be recording on Wednesday this week, so we'll talk to you then. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com